never came another snooze fest roll on 2022 which i can say for a lot of the teams after this race especially the prancing horse um with me um as always is jake and keith um as we talk about the 2020 belgian grand prix um lads how are we yeah i'm, I'm good i'm back from camping um Thanks for holding the fort last week. Um, I managed to not really burn. I did get soaked through. It rained pretty much every day. <laughs> um, we did get one break on one of the days, which was good. Um, I was back at Brands this weekend for the British GT. That was fantastic. We had a really good race there. And then I came home and watched the recording of uh, Spa thinking, here we go. Here's the top tier of motorsport. And there uh, was welcome to an absolute snooze fest. So uh, I know it's kind of like, I always feel we should be positive about the races, but you know, we're not real journalists, right? So we can say what we want. And <laughs> exactly. uh, I just think, yeah, what, what a disappointment that was. It was, it was a bit, you know, it's a bit, 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 the rain, it never came again. Yep. And to be honest, I love Spa. I love the history of it. It's an amazing track. I want to go there. Like it's top of the bucket list, I think for most of us, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, unless it rains, the races do tend to be very dull there. Um, and that's what we got again. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith, you? Well, full disclosure, we tend to talk to each other on a Discord or a WhatsApp when we're watching races. But because yep. uh, Jake was at the British GT this weekend, we thought, well, let's not, we'll, we'll stay off it so we don't spoil anything for him. But if we'd actually been doing a shared Discord and actually commenting on it, I think it would probably look about the same. There was absolutely nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there are some key takeaways which we'll get into, um, which I think we could probably get straight into. One, um, I think just Harari's weekend just went from bad to worse to just worse. Cause, I mean, the only thing that could have made this race worse for them is if Charles and Seb literally smashed into each other, which they nearly did. They nearly um, did it. They, they, they. Uh, I was, you know, they, they, they kind of spared us that. I, I agree. I think, I think people are giving him a bit of a tough time. Like I, I, I listened to some other podcasts, and one of the big ones, um, you know, what someone on there I won't mention was getting very angry that Ferrari won't talk to them and tell them everything that's going on with their team and blah and blah. I think no, no one's owed that. They're having a rough mm. time. Of course, they don't mm. want to talk, but um, you know, for their standards, one awful weekend, and then just to top it off. You know, the, the, the absolute pinnacle for the, the, of, of kind of a terrible weekend would have been if they collided, but having Raikkonen beat both Ferraris in a customer car, it's... what a difference a season makes. You know, they almost oh. should just rock up with a 2019 car and take a penalty for the illegal engine every race at this rate just to have some fun. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's painful to watch. I mean, I'm, you know, it's quite clear. I, I'm trying to be as completely unbiased as I yeah, can. So I'm I not think... a Ferrari fan, but... Um, also, we we love to see them at the front. You know, they're a part of the big part of the sport, and just yeah, I mean, you know, you cheat, you get you get what's coming to you. But that, this weekend was appalling, wasn't it? It is a shame. Um, and so I think before we really just go all ham into that one, um, let's just start with uh, qualifying. Mm. Um, pretty much the repeat of last weekend. Um, I yep. think just Merck savagery. Um, I just want to um, just say something before we do move on. So those who don't know me, I am into like movies and Marvel and comic books. Um, sadly, uh, Chadwick, um, uh, Chadwick, 
in Bozeman who plays Black Panther, uh, passed away on Friday. Um, so Lewis has basically uh, his success in the qualifying. He gave it to him and also his race as well. So uh, thoughts um, are with his families and friends um, and the uh, wider sort of geek and nerd culture um, that, um, that all three of us are a part of as well. Um, but yeah, so on that, um, Lewis pulling out half a second was just nuts. Like, and not even in tow, just just on yeah. the lap. Like, it was, yeah, Valtteri, I looked at like, it and I was like, what? Valtteri should have had a toe on him for yeah. both laps, actually, um, but didn't. Uh, it's weird. He'd be right on his gearbox, and Lewis would sort of just, just, just at the bus stop, just slide he's off. Um, and then, for whatever reason, Valtteri wasn't there. Um, the car looked crazy on board. They've beaten the 2018 lap record. Yeah. I think people forget, actually, in 2018 as well, people were talking about that Ferrari unit. And I wonder just how legal that was that year as well, because suddenly in a straight line, it was, was really, really strong. But... Uh, uh, yeah, either way, um, it was um, yeah, it was it was crazy to see that lap from Lewis on board. It looked planted, and this is a car in a slightly lower spec. It kind of reminded me a little bit of 2014, though, where Merck had come with such a dominant engine that they could kind of run quite a lot of wing and just drag the car through, which meant in the corners they were really competitive. Um, you know, that's something Red Bull felt that they never had a strong enough engine, on, especially on those high-speed circuits, so they had to trim mm. loads of wing and lost their kind of aero advantage so yeah just to see Merck they were you know especially Lewis in sector two was a league his, ahead of anyone his else his middle sector was just annihilating everyone section. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, crazy it's I mean it was just wild to see it um and then you know uh, uh Vitari coming second Max third you know nothing new but then we had a Renault in fourth yeah um and so I'm going to leave this one to you, Keith. What's your thoughts and feelings? Do you feel that they are finally making the step? Or do you feel this is that just the kind of repeat of last year where we where on these more sort of high-speed tracks, they do seem to do quite well? Well, they've found the secret sauce to getting it right on the high-speed circuits. I mean, this is mm. a team that really were nowhere last weekend. Uh, they And they do fluctuate. They do seem to either be keeping pace or at least keeping Racing Point honest. And then some weekends they're you know they're looking like slower than Alpha Tauri. Uh, I mean Rick is mighty around Spa. He's always been mighty around Spa. You can tell that he loves racing there. You could tell by the final lap of the actual race that he, yeah. just, he just enjoys pushing the limits on there. And, and there's you know obviously great footage of him, you know, with very bold and brave overtaking maneuvers. Uh, but to prove that, you know, Ocon got P6 as well. There's, they got something right at Renault this weekend, but this, equally, it wouldn't surprise you to see them 11th and 12th next weekend. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, they do seem to have a good knack on the high-speed circuit. It's the same last year. I mean, we haven't, we haven't been to Canada this year, but they were really good there last year. I think that was their best race, Canada. Or, no, Monza was their best race, but Canada was very good. Um, they seem to have just this sort of efficiency with the car where it does work really well with this low downforce setup, which is, which is really unusual. And even the drivers kind of said that in low downforce trim, the car feels a lot better, which is odd because it's got less downforce. So there's something to be said there. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were really great. And in fact, Ricardo probably only needed a couple of laps and he could have, 
could have taken Verstappen. The way that 10, him, yeah. 15 seconds just it's, it's went, he was handing it disappeared. Him. Yeah, he handed him. Yeah. It's crazy. And the, the top drivers just fell off the cliff on their tires. And it really was a fall off the cliff. And they, you know, hanging on till the end. But, you know, Rick had managed to keep his tires in. And, and they, you know, Ocon as well. Uh, they, they're really looking after their tires. And they were in good shape. And actually, Ricardo getting the fastest lap on that last lap denied Lewis a sort of grand slam, you know, that fastest mm. lap, pole position, the led every trick. lap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, even better, the Grand Slam where you, you lead every lap as well. Yeah, he yeah. looked like he was going to get that. And on the last lap, what a, what a great lap from Ricardo to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think Renault could be pretty handy at Monza um, because that is all you know, about aero efficiency and straight line speed, uh, which they seem to be really strong with. And in fairness, yeah. to, uh, in fairness to Ocon, I, I read a few uh, articles saying, well, Ocon was still miles behind uh, Rick by the end of it. I thought, but it's only because he was being corked by Albon. Because the second mm. he got, he got uh, past him, yeah. he was he was off in the distance. I mean, he yeah. really he put like five seconds between him and Albon after two laps. Like he was yep. much much faster than Albon. And it, clearly, there's just something about following behind that Red Bull. They were just struggling to get past. But once yeah, he was past, he was in the distance. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job. And I think people forget Ricardo got stuck behind Perez and Gasly on knackered tires for ages, which. Ricardo thought cost him third place in the race, which we can really come on to. So when we, when we get there, but yeah, I, I mean that it wasn't like that, you know, it was easy to pass cars. I think Ocon did a great job this weekend. Um, quality and, and the race, obviously again, it's funny, isn't it with the drivers? Cause you know, he had a car that he could show what he can do a little bit more. Um, and you do need that to really show off. I mean, it's only really kind of Russell that at the moment that stands out in a car like last year, but for example, a car that was really very poor, but he would still stand out. But, yeah, I mean, Ocon still did a great job, I think. Mm. I think yeah. actually Charles Leclerc is probably the, uh, the most standout, you know, exceeding his hardware at the moment. Yeah. I yeah, mean... yeah, for sure. He didn't have a good race this weekend, but he's had some, some very good races. I mean, two podiums in a Slow and back steady, end huh? midfield car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's, it's a really good job. Yeah. So, um, anything on Quali? Any highlights before we move into like, the one to one teams? Not really. I mean, Ferrari no. had a nightmare, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was. Right, well, we that can was, talk about that more. We can talk when we get to them and the so, 2018 lap record as well. Yeah, I just think exactly. that is worth mentioning. Yeah. That was beaten as well. Um, in cars with less downforce spec, I know it's a low downforce track, but I, I do think that's a big deal. That was a really, you know, that Merck this year is, is as we know, it's just crazy. something else. Okay, so uh, teams um, Williams, uh, Latifi 16th, Russell DNF. Before we go on, uh, glad that Russell um, made out of the car. Um, and of course, you know, glad that the Halo um, saved that from becoming a lot more worse than, than it did. Um, he was just a passenger. There was nothing he could do. Uh, Giovinazzi had already crashed. And, and, it was, and it was the real wheel, which just splintered off and just started rolling on the track. So really glad that Russell's um, happy. And obviously a testament to how strong these F1 cars are. Um, Latifi 16th. Anything new? Should we just move on? Well, the only thing I say, I don't, I don't like, I don't like seeing these wheels just being yeah. breaking off. Yeah, I don't that. know what's going on. I know the tethers aren't invincible, but it keeps happening now where the wheels mm. bounce off, and it's the most, it's pretty much the most dangerous thing that can happen. As soon as yeah. wheels detach, they can go anywhere. And when we have crowds back, and you've got the marshals at their posts as they are now you don't want to see wheels breaking off. And that's what was dangerous. You, you know, you can, you see that and it just, Oh, I, I don't like that. And it's one of those crashes that just looked horrible. Didn't it? You get, you know, you know, when the cars are in the camera, you know, they're, they're okay. You know, yeah. with, the, uh, with, with other crashes, I, I don't want to bring them up. They, 
you often don't get to see, which is good. Mm. You don't want to see, you, know, you wouldn't want to yeah, see yeah, anything course, bad. Yeah, yeah. When you see the cars, usually you go, okay, that must be all right. You know, there's only a few crashes that you really hold your, you know, like the Alonso crash in 2015 at Melbourne where you hold your breath and you think, is he all right? Like, this looks really bad. Uh, but it did look awful. Ever as well, really where the car flipped over. That was like, yeah, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Yeah. And this one did look bad. And I think, Again, it was that tether and this snap over steer these new cars have, especially the cars near the back of the grid. You just, you know, it was only a little snap, really. But yeah, it I mean, really it looked huge. It looked fine. Like he was still mm. on the circuit, but he was just ever so slightly too happy with his right foot. Mm. Just lit up the rear just a little bit uh, too much. I mean, if you watch the Nico Rosberg um, track uh, walkthrough, he was saying that the white paint at Spa is a lot more, like the actual like like um, paint on the tracks actually a lot more slippery than like other tracks. Mm. Okay. And he was saying, you know, once you hit the white, you need to be very careful, otherwise you will lose yeah. it because it's just the paint which they use at Spa and the way that it's always going up and down as well um, yeah. at that track um, per corner to the to 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 to, to the next corner. Um, but yeah, it just looks like a really harmless little bit of oversteer. Obviously, where the track it was, there isn't any runoff on the right or left. So it just went straight into the wall. But again, just the way that it just hit that rear right, spun the car around. And obviously, that force of it just spinning around, I feel that's what just snapped off that wheel. And unfortunately, it just went into the path of, of George Russell. I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe they're going to look into how they construct the wheels and the whole like, torsion beams and all of that stuff and the drivetrains and suspensions but it is formula one at the end of the day you know yeah um it is what it is so yeah i would just like yeah. to say that i was disappointed that russell went out because he was keeping pace with yeah. the uh with the alfa romeos who were in turn keeping pace with the ferraris i can't believe i'm actually saying that uh so I think there was every chance that he could have, I don't think he would have scored points, but I think it would have been interesting to see him mixing it up with the sort of the bigger boys. And I mean, if, if I think there was only like eight or nine seconds separating 12th from Latifi in 16th. So I think there was plenty of opportunity for Russell to impress, but that was taken out of his hands. So a big shame for him. Yeah, no, I mean, hopefully um, it just shows that the car's capable on sort of a high speed track. So, you know, next weekend, just have to wait and see, really. Um, Alfa Romeo, uh, Kimi, 12 Giovinazzi DNF. Um, I don't really feel we need to talk about Giovinazzi again because we already have. Uh, Kimi, um, for me, it was the moment where he overtook, uh, was it Seb? Yeah, it was Seb, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, he overtook Vettel. Yeah, I was like, I'll I'll watch it. I was like, watching it go, like, what Rick and Morty alternative universe are we in right now? Like, this is... This is wild. <laughs> like it's the same yeah. engine unit. Like what? It's mad. I mean, the Kimmy. Kudos um, to Kimmy. Yeah, Kim, Kimmy's great around Spa. He's a Spa yeah. specialist. Even though his last win there was 2009, um, you know he's had some good races there. 2014, when he was up against Alonso, he was quicker there. I think he had a fourth place finish then. Um, off the top of my head, he's decent around Spa. It's one of his tracks. Um, so, so um, yeah, I think. Um, I think that was a bit crazy. You never think an Alfa Romeo beating a Ferrari on merit. There were no tricks here, no no just errors, straight line no wit. reached the corner ahead great of him. That was fight. Raikkonen yeah. was quicker. Um, so that was good. He had a great race. I felt for him not getting points. It looked like at one point he could have snuck a point in there, but with those charging cars of Gasly and uh, Perez coming back through the field, 
it wasn't going to happen. Again, the AlphaTauri, I mean, they're, they're ha- completely sort of hamstrung by the Ferrari unit. I've just been really confused, though, that last year, Alfa Alpha, uh, Romeo and Ferrari had very low drag cars. You know, they'd really built it for this hyper-powerful unit. This year, they've got the draggiest cars, and I don't get it. Was it because they felt, ah, we didn't have enough downforce, so they've worked on a downforce, really gone for that, and now they don't have a power unit that, you know, now they've got the weakest power unit in the field. Suddenly, they can't drag the car with this extra downforce, hence drag, because adding more downforce, inevitably, you add some drag. Um, I don't really understand what has happened with the philosophy of the cars there, but last year, the lowest drag cars were the Alfa Romeo and the Mm. Ferrari. So I don't know what's going on this year. Maybe Alfa Romeo have kept some of that low drag philosophy because they, you know, they weren't any worse at Spa than they were at other tracks. In fact, 12th is pretty good for them. But Ferrari have just dropped. It's like they've added, tried to add a load of downforce, but have just added a load of drag and then not added any power. I mean, they've massively dipped in power. They're the only car that was slower over a lap and over a fastest lap in the race. Um, over all the cars, every other car on the grid's improved. Even the other Ferrari runners, Hassan and, and Alfa Romeo, have still made a step forward. Um, yeah, just really weird one for me that I, I can't work it out, and I haven't been able to find anything on it. So I don't know if anyone else knows. I'd really be interested it's, to hear sort of what's going on there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I if we're going to go off that um, assumption that you know because they felt that the power was so strong that they added drag and then. They got hit with the fuel flow, and then now they've got a draggy car because they thought the engine was going to be more powerful. That makes the most sense. Um, but having said that, they knew about the fuel flow um, thing. Well, end of last year, didn't they? End of end last of year. You know, we've been, you know, the season started late. Yes, I know the teams weren't allowed to work, you know, while everything was closed. But they've had what? nearly a year nearly what yeah. 10 months eight months since i think they've known all this so i uh, for me i think a lot of the weaknesses which ferrari's been able to just brush under the um under the carpet i think are all coming out at once and so now they don't know how to deal with it because it's just too much. It's, yeah. it's you know, they've got one driver who's literally checked out. Like, he, he couldn't care any less if he tried. You've got an engine unit, which isn't as strong as it should be. You've got a management structure, which isn't as strong as it should be. You know, we, we need to highlight this, and I like to highlight this again. Ferrari spends, on average, about $20 million more than any other team. I think it's more than that. More than that, even. I, yeah, exactly. I think it's so, more. I think their budget's about two hundred and fifty million. Oh, and a yeah, normal okay. team has a budget of about a hundred and hundred twenty. Like Williams will be like a hundred, hundred. Yeah, but say compared to uh, Merck, that midfield, like... uh, Merck's is about two thirty. Merck's yeah, is slightly yeah, lower. Okay, so, yeah. so, oh, so that's where your two twenty. Yeah. Sorry, my my bad. That's yeah. where your twenty comes from. Yeah, yeah. So, they do spend the most on the grid. Yeah. So they're spending the most on the grid. They're getting the most back from F one. You know, it's. I, I refuse to believe that this is all down to the engine fuel flow because I'm sorry, like if if whew, if this is all down to that one engine fuel flow, then how illegal was that car last year? Like it must have been just like looking at it and reeking just illegal. Like if you're losing this amount of pace because of a, a fuel flow, and that's all it is, it's just fuel flow. Right? Yes, it's 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 not a huge thing, but in terms of the actual overall car, but it's, it's, it's gotta be something else. It's got, I think, as I said, I think it's just all of the years of just poor leadership 
just constantly axing heads the second they don't you know do anything good it's it's just all coming up i feel um yeah yeah i think i think so um i'd, I'd be interested to see if they did rock up with the 2019 chassis and see what it did um but i feel like they've lost something from 2018 for me mm. that car that car should have won that started season. off and the but, the 2017 one had a really good chance. The 2018 yeah. one should have won. Should have won. It's it. a really balanced, really good car. All ends up, and I don't know what's happened since then. It feels like they've gone off on a tangent that hasn't quite worked. Even the 2019 car was a bit, it, you know, it, it won at Singapore. So I don't know what mm. to say about it. Because I want to say, yeah, it wasn't good on the slow speed and street circuits, but it dominated in Singapore. You know, I, I, I don't know what, what's gone wrong there, but they should take a look. I think they almost need to go back a little bit to go forward. This season's a write-off anyway, so I don't know. Anyway, well, This we, season we and next season, Ferrari. I'd say, for them. Yeah, for sure. It's a building process. You know, it's, 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 it's what's happened to I McLaren, mean, on right? that, I mean, on that, is, is that the reason? Have they just decided, you know what, we've, you know, we've been hit with this, with, this, um, with this like fuel flow system. We know we're not going to catch Muck next year. We don't care. You know, we've got Charles. We've got Sainz next year. You know, it, it's less about mm. this, the the immediate future, more just we're going all in on 2022. We don't care how we look this year or next year. Um, well, And that's think, it, you know. But I don't know. I, I just don't know. Issue, the only issue there is that they haven't got many engine tokens left. Right? I keep calling mm. tokens. Sorry, I know they're not called that anymore. We don't have many upgrades. You've got one upgrade at the start of next season, one mid-season, one the following season that's it so you have to care about the engine right now it needs to get right and quick mm. it might be like a 2014 to 15 step where they went okay we built the car purely for aero and we really compromised on the engine 15 they went give the engine the space it wants bang ferrari were up there and their unit was fine one of the better units um it's not hard it was only three but you know it was it was much closer to merc so they have to care about the power unit and they're not the only team that'll be thinking our oh, 2022 you know, Renault are doing that. Everyone except everyone's Merck, doing that to some extent. But yeah. um, you know, maybe Merck and Red Bull are still thinking about you know their cars now. But even then, they've kind of gone right. It's time. I mean, Merck's plan will be to blow everyone out of the water and be working on twenty twenty two. The fact that this ten percent rule is coming in next year, so it's, it's confirmed that cars will have ten percent downforce next year. To because Pirelli is saying you know the extra downforce. Something to do with Pirelli. It's to try and peg back Merck. Again, not a smart move because I think most of Merck's advantage comes from the power unit and mechanical grip, not through downforce. So if you knock back 10% aero, what team are you hurting? Red Bull and yeah. Newey. So I don't know why they're bringing that in. It's, to me, that seems like a really silly idea. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you know, people are going to have to focus. Teams are, sorry, are going to have to focus on next year now. But loads of them are on 2022. Let's yeah. just hope Ferrari get it right. For, we want to see Sainz and Leclerc in good cars. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we need Ferrari near the front. Because when Ferrari aren't near the front, you know, the majority of F1 fans are Ferrari fans. That's why at the moment there's a lot of negativity. I mean, we're not helping saying what snooze fest, but that's why I think there's a lot of negativity around F1. When Ferrari aren't doing well, a lot of the fans aren't happy. So we, we yeah, need them near the front. But I mean, Ferrari haven't been doing well for a long time in my eyes. Um, I mean, so just before we move on to AlphaTauri, uh, Keith, you? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, you say Ferrari haven't been good for a long time. They got a 1-2 here last year. That's that. a, it's a colossal uh, fall from grace. Secondly, I mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. Secondly, it was uh, telling watching Carlos Sainz watching the yeah. race because he must be looking at that Ferrari yeah. and thinking, you know, what have I got myself? I, I can't think of another driver who, outside of maybe Damon going into the Arrows in '97, where you just know that you're joining a team 
on the decline. Mm. You can argue that uh, mm. Rick would have known that Renault was slower than Red Bull, but he probably felt that they could still compete. But to watch what should have been an obvious ascension going to Ferrari and now looking like an obvious demotion must be... Uh, must be heartbreaking. For I mean, Carlos. you say that, but he's going to get a real big paycheck and he's going to get all of the, like, of uh, Scuderia perks as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean... Yeah. But I think I think he's like his father, though. Like, Carlos Sainz, obviously, I'm a big fan of Rally. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Yeah. And <laughs> Carlos Sainz, is, you know, senior, is a phenomenal driver. And I I think they've got enough money. I don't think, yeah, I don't no, think Carlos right. yeah. is, is pulled by that. And I also think that... Yeah, you compared a Rick move, but he tried to do a Lewis sort of that risk of we're going to another team. I know they're not going to be good now, but let's promise. And even Damon had no choice. He was kicked out of Williams. And again, there was this promise with Arrows. They had a load of funding at the time and everyone's like, Arrows are going to be near the front. And obviously he had that heartbreak race in Hungary. But bar that, he wasn't going to win, have a sniff of a race. It was Arrows. And that investment never came to anything. But with science, like, like Keith said, it really was that this is the next step. This is the next ascension. You're going up a team. You're, you're moving up the grid. You know, the old Monaco Grand Prix games, you kept challenging teams above and then you got a quicker car. You'd go for the Ferrari near the end. And um, yeah, this just, it looks like he's going to have a really painful year next year. Having Ricardo and Norris probably lapping him some races, you know, <laughs> and that's just painful. But I, I hope it pays off in the long run. Sainz is one of those drivers that he, he's one of the best of that generation, the newer generation coming through. Sainz is fantastic driver and i hope he doesn't have you know get a lacied basically mm. um it's actually funny because i was thinking about that the very uh the very driver about a career development you know mid-20s obviously fast going to ferrari going at the wrong time because that's what was a, a lacy went in ferrari's dog days and i'm yep. hoping it doesn't happen to carlos and i know that you said don't touch on giovanazzi again but it's telling to say that two ferrari development drivers Finished one two in the F two sprint race this weekend. Yep. It, I mean, how much you know? That was not a crash that was caused by anything other than Giovinazzi binning it. Error. Yeah. Yeah. No. It agreed. was an, no, it's an true. error. And, and I know that he. I know that he scored points this year, but it was very lucky. It was not in an attritional mm. race, and I just think that it makes sense for Alfa Romeo to become Ferrari's AlphaTauri, their feeder team, and they've got two capable drivers well one very capable driver Schwartzman and one very romantic choice in Schumacher mm. and it just wouldn't surprise me to see one of those two replacing Gio next year yep Schwartzman's looked great this year you've got Callum Eilat who's fantastic he's actually one of my favorites coming into the F2 season and Eilat had a bad weekend but he's a great driver um he got unlucky Eilat got spun around um ex-red ball development driver didn't he oh was he I didn't I didn't know Eilat was I believe he was ex-red ball and then was picked up by Ferrari Wow. I mean, Callum Eilat's a fantastic driver. He was really good last year as well in F2. He showed a lot of promise. Um, you know, with, with tragically with Hubert as well, they were kind of the two drivers that stood out of like, mm. you know, I, I think it makes sense in F2 to have a couple of seasons. You don't always get it right in your first season because it's such a, it's such a learning curve, especially the Pirellis. You know, they're, they're a completely different tyre. We found that, again, with Pato Ward coming in last year. He is a phenomenal driver. I truly believe he should have a shot with Red Bull. Um, they shouldn't have just given one chance and kicked him out. Um, but it's the Pirelli tyres. You know, you come into this formula and you think, right, here we go, push in, got to show myself, two laps in, why have I got no tyres? Why have they overheated? What's going on? Um, it's a completely different way of learning. But yeah, I think if for me and AlphaTauri, I mean, maybe if Kimi picks it up, you want one driver for development, but get one of those in. Eilat and Schwartzman especially, mm. they, I really think they, they deserve a shot in F1. Um, and then you've got that kind of romantic, as you said, 
as you said, Keith, you know, that sort of romantic ideal of having uh, Schumacher in there as well. I just, I don't think he's up to Schwartzman and I look standard, but I can't do any worse no, than Gio at this point. No, nor do I, but I think you, that's why you stick him in the Alfa Romeo first, let him get some, uh, get yep. some sea legs under him. And because I think the worst thing that Ferrari could do is stick uh, Mick Schumacher in a Ferrari too soon. And then they would be forced to sack him if he wasn't up to standard. But if you stick him in an Alfa, he either sinks or swims. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. There's no doubt on their nose. Yeah, no, exactly. So moving on, Alfa Tauri, um, Pierre Gasly, 8th, uh, Kvyat, 11th. Um, Gasly did win Driver of the Day, uh, which I think deservedly so. That amazing yep. um, pass on Prez um, going through on Rouge uh, was just... Uh, I think I was a little bit naughty. Um, I think Sergio should have given him just a bit more space. Um, but Pierre made it work. And obviously, that's the important thing um, at the end of the day. Um, Kvyat, I felt, just couldn't quite hold on. Um, he just wasn't really... I think it was a hard tyres, wasn't it? It was a hard or mediums he was on. And he just wasn't really pushing through. Yeah, um, I think at his last stint, he was on hards. I'm not yeah, I'm actually quite it. sure. Kvyat, again, just had a sort of, he's doing okay, race, I'm he here. sort of extracts what the car can do, but Gasly had another stormer, and it, he was put yeah. on again, not the best strategy. Yeah. Uh, the safety, the car, safety car was car out. Really it came too early again. We've had this a few times, so everyone's pushed onto, it, it really, it hurts the race when you get a safety car come out just before the pit window. You know, they would have wanted to extend that stint another five, six laps, which meant that all the Drivers were tyre saving. They know they had a set of hards, had to get to the end a bit longer than they wanted to go. So you ended up with a bit of a, a funny race. Um, and, but they didn't pick Gasly. Uh, they kept him out because he started on the hards. He needed to get that longer stint. I'm not sure whether it was the right thing to do. I mean, to be honest, they couldn't have really put him on the safety car and put him on what mediums. They probably wouldn't have got to the end, as you saw with Albon, who did a great job on those mediums. Um, but they still died off early. With Gasly, they kind of had no choice. That safety car really bocked his race. I think without that safety car, Gasly would have been further up, yeah. further up the field. But what a storming 100%. drive to come back. I suppose you know, Alfatari had no choice but to, to not pit him under the safety car. He had to do more laps to get to that place where he could just bolt on that set of mediums and then come back through the field. But it was great to watch him. And he, he really did come through the field, didn't he? he was, um, the, he's, the, he's been great this year. The thing I want to highlight again, the Honda unit. The fact that the Honda unit is still keeping up. This is a very high speed, high top speed um, circuit. You know, if this was two years ago, we would have just written them off. So I do want to just highlight how far Honda have come. Yeah. And tracks like this are what show how good your engine is. Yeah. Um, especially in the next one as well. So I think, you know, if Honda keep on pushing, if Red Bull, AlphaTauri keep on pushing, it's just going to be a really good scenario for them. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so really, obviously, well done to those guys as well. Um, anything from you, Keith, before we go into Haas? What else is there to say about Pierre Gasly? I yeah. mean, when when uh, Amazon, uh, not Amazon, Netflix, do their you know next season of Drive to Survive, once we've got past the the COVID you know pr you know preamble, this will be. I mean, you're talking about being a comic fan. I think it's no secret to. Jake and myself are both big comic fans. This season, to me, is the Pierre Gasly redemption arc. He just—he's mm. mm. outperforming that car. He's outperforming his teammate. He is—you know—I—I th I would say he is at the moment the class of the midfield, uh, consistently scoring yeah. points for a team that shouldn't really be doing what it's doing. And yeah, this was a race where he, you know, again, Spa, a driver's circuit, his strategy was completely compromised, and he outperformed it, and he beat. 
the racing points on merit. So mm. incredible mm. performance from Gasly. Kvyat, sadly, I mean, if you think about it, he was the lowest finishing non-Ferrari engine car, minus Latifi, which I don't think you can really count. So, yeah, Kvyat, an incidental race, you know, also there. But Gasly, yeah, what a fantastic job. And he's making me eat my words because I thought he was... Uh, I think it was a spent we, force. We were all wrong, you know. I think after last year, you know, he we were all wrong. And 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 and, and I just want to add, you know, this was a extremely difficult weekend for him. You know, all of the flashbacks from Saudi when you know Anton lost his life. You know, he, they were good friends. You know, we all know this. So to come out, do that performance, get driver of the day. You know, is it just shows the strength of who he is. Um, and so you know, I I really. I really hope he can get himself into one of the top um, top teams again one day because I think by that point he'll be something else. Just not in a Red Bull. That Red Bull, I think yeah. it just shows how incredible Verstappen is. I know the team's built around him. That's no secret. I mean, we'll come on to Red Bull in a minute and we can talk again how they just you know screwed Albon's strategy. I don't know what they're thinking. But... Um, that car isn't easy to drive, that Red Bull. It looks like it's just, you know, Max, again, he's, you know, maybe the car's built around him and his very particular style of driving. Um, if, he, if he indeed has one that's so particular. But, uh, yeah, it's great to be proven wrong, isn't it, like that? It's really nice when you think someone's down and out and they really haven't got it and you're like, yeah, they, they didn't make it. And they do, because that's what you want. You don't want to see people fail, right? You, mm. you do want to see... The drivers come back and I like this idea of this sort of redemption arc for Gasly. I think the only thing he needs to sort out is his attitude. You know, big part of Red Bull, why they dropped him as well, is that he was really arrogant. The way he acted with the engineers, he was such a diva. My seat needs this and I need that. If you really want to be at the top, you can be a diva, but you've got to sort that out. You need the engineers on side. Um, and I think that's just one thing he needs to work on because I think he could have got the Red Bull engineers to work more with him to make that work. But I think he has such an attitude that they just thought, that, you know, it just didn't work. And I think that's the one thing he'll have to sort. But look, his driving's been phenomenal this year, hasn't it? Like, like Keith said, he's been the class in the midfield. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, just one thing before we move on, um, as we touched upon as well. Uh, sadly, um, Anton Hubert did lose his life um, at Spa um, last year. Um, the teams F1 and F2 did a tribute to him. Um, and uh, just like before, our thoughts and um, feelings go out to his friends and family. So rest in peace, number 19. Um, so moving on, uh, Hass um, Grosjean is that supposed to be eleventh? Uh, no, no Grosjean, be. Grosjean was like sixteenth from bottom, wasn't he? Sixteenth. Yeah, like, oh yeah, fifteenth. Yeah. yeah. My bad. I put he came in first in the notes. First, yeah. He came in um, first. So I, Hass, so. I mean, um, so Grosjean fifteenth, K Mag seventeenth. Um, I'll let you guys talk about this one because I haven't really got anything to add. I didn't really I, think I they did good. Just, <laughs> like they were just there. They're there. They they were there. They had Ferrari engines. So they weren't very quick. Um, I've got nothing to add apart from there's that rumor, isn't there, that both Perez and Hulk are confirmed for next year. I keep hearing that, but I've not seen anything. K Mag had that. a great start. K Mag he got he climbed up. I think he gained like four places or five places on the first lap. He looked. Uh, he looked like he was up for it, but then it just kept dropping back and dropping back and dropping back. And, you know, K-Mag completed the, what's the opposite of a grand slam? You know, he was, you know, slowest in qualifying, slowest in the race. I mean, the only positive they can take is that both cars finished. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And, and, and I just want to add, you know, um, 
Jake, obviously this will be your topic, which you can explain later, but Haas, Gene Haas has signed the uh, current Concord agreement. But I'm starting to feel, you know, this is the best Haas F1 is ever going to do. Will Gene see, yeah. see the point of it? I mean, it was always going to be tough for them um, coming in. Having, I, re- I really like Delara. They've got a lot of history in motorsport. They're a company I really, really do like. And I, and I think they've made some great chassis. I don't think F1 is a strong point. You only have to think about the HRT from 2010 to really mm. realize that it was nowhere. Maybe the funding wasn't there. You know, they do a great job with the IndyCar chassis, but that's a completely different requirement than F2. Um, it's really hard to break into F1 unless you've got loads of money. We know that. And if you're coming in on a, we're going to borrow a gearbox from here and a bit from there and a bit from there, you're never going to be at the top. So if you want to make up the numbers, that's fine. But it, it's not like IndyCar where it's customer cars. And, and look what happened to McLaren when they tried to rock up an IndyCar. They, they mucked up last year. They didn't even qualify and they didn't do much better this year. They may as well have not qualified. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I hope they stay especially if they are going to have a Perez and Hulkenberg partnership next year, because what's the point in having two cracking drivers like that pegging around in 15th and 17th? What's, what's the yeah. point? I'd, I'd rather they didn't come back and went to IndyCar. You know, I'd love to see Perez in IndyCar. Love to see Hulk there in, or Hulk in WEC or something like that. Drivers of that caliber, either get them in a midfield team or decent-ish team or go somewhere else. Seeing them in a Haas at the back, what's the point? You may as well keep Grosjean and K-Mag. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, there's not much to say about Haas, really. I just hope I hope they can turn it around a bit, and I hope they do stay because it's fantastic to have another team on the grid and to have an American team. It's it's good yeah. for the sport, and I, I you know they were they started so well. It'd be good to see them, you know, kick on. I mean, they uh, was it 2018 they came fourth in the championship. I don't think they were fourth, but they they no, looked like they had the fourth quickest like fourth car for a lot or something. Yeah, but they last came year fourth. over one lap, <laughs> but yeah. then it would all go away. So, so yeah, um, they they had got potential. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, moving on to racing points, Stroll ninth, Prez tenth. Um, I'm starting to not believe this pink Merc thing anymore. If I'm truly honest with you, um, well, I think it's, we it's knew not. It's not their car, yeah. technically. So they won't know how to, A, they won't know how to develop it. And it's all very well having something that starts in an amazing way. You know, it's like saying, right, um, doing some art homework. I need you to paint a picture. I've started it. It's really good. You just need to do the finishing bits. And then you do your finishing bits and then it looks terrible because if you're like me, you can't draw. So it doesn't matter that someone amazing started it. Then the ending is it looks awful. Mm. Um, they don't know how to run that car. It's a completely different philosophy to all the other cars. They've gone from a high rake, short wheelbase, philosophy to a long wheelbase lower rake philosophy already so getting your head around that's completely different and then they've come to a track which is low downforce they've copied the high downforce mode they don't really know how to run it in low downforce spec so they'll probably find it on the more high downforce tracks that will be a better car but in the low you know in a, in a low downforce high speed they it's completely alien to them so mm. it didn't completely surprise me and like i said i do think there is a bit of overhype because every time we get told this pink mercedes is going to dominate it just never quite does just never quite does it does it i mean you know last race it looked quick and barcelona like i said is a good test of all aspects of a car so i do think on those more traditional circuits they'll be really quick but can't see them being much better next week either it it was a pretty disappointing from them didn't help themselves the perez strategy was that was odd um the gasly one kind of made sense the safety car bought them they couldn't Mm. really risk you know they, they, they they couldn't go hard hard you're not allowed you have to run two different so 
The mediums weren't going to last, they had no choice. But Perez going, oh, he's on the softs. We'll just keep him on these knackered softs. Yeah, he's going to a few places. Then on the hards, they should have just pitted him under the safety car like everyone else. And he would have had a better result than coming 10. Um, so, yeah, that, that really was mystifying what they were thinking there. Again, another poor strategy from Racing Point. Yeah, I know. Uh, Keith, you? Yeah, all I could think is that they just had faith that Sergio is, you know, he's the tire whisperer and they thought oh well maybe he can <laughs> he can uh, stretch this you know first stint as long as he can and then we'll get him on the on the hards and he'll you know he'll make it work but there's only so much you can do when you're you know essentially a free pit stop behind mm. uh, i think yeah. he did well to get as close to lance as he did because lance yeah. his, his strategy was not compromised uh yeah the wrong call it was a little bit like with uh, i think it was Haas in was it Styria? When they just stayed out and they thought, oh, well, you know, what's the harm in just staying out? Maybe we can make it work. Alternate strategies I'm always a big fan of. You might as well try something. But uh, wrong call. I think anyone could have seen that that wasn't going to work. Shame for Sergio because I think he deserved better. Uh, but a another race where, you know, technically Lance beats him. So, you know, Lance is sort of proving that he yeah. doesn't deserve to be thrown out of you know, the whole nepotism thing. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's he is hanging this year. Uh, I'll give him that. But, you know, he didn't keep, uh, didn't keep Lando behind him, which I think he'll be disappointed with. So, talking... Uh, yeah, yeah, Jake? It was only quickly on the racing point I wanted to go back. That that strategy was so bad in the fact that it wasn't like, OK, we won't pit under the safety car. We'll do another 10 laps, then pit. It was, we won't pit under the safety, safety car, car. Like three laps later. Yeah. And then we'll put the hards on. So, all you've done is throw away a free pit stop for three laps you know you're not going to get a massive tire advantage doing that it just it was just a poor strategy it was a weird like one. Keith said contra strategies work but you've got them to go with it you can't just sort of half heartedly go oh yeah we won't come in and oh, that now we will so now we'll lose loads more time it's just rookie mistake that just didn't work um so yeah like you said it's kind of bought stroll a bit of a lifeline so speaking of uh, Lando there, Keith, uh, McCarran, um, Norris seventh signs did not start. So uh, just before, um, so signs had a exhaust problem, which meant that his car uh, wasn't race fit, um, unfortunately. So we, uh, we missed out, but we did get some amazing um, reactions from him watching um, Seb and Charles, I thought, anyway. Um, so on that, um, Norris, um, I felt he did okay uh this wasn't that same you know pushing right to the end norris sort of pulling off the impossible i felt the mclaren just wasn't as happy or as comfortable on this track as say others um it's still a phenomenally good chassis and aero package which again as i've said before on the podcast which just makes me more excited for next year when they put a merc in it um because i can really see that car basically jumping up the grid just simply because of that. Um, but just shame that Norris couldn't quite make those last couple of passes right at the end, I thought. But he was nearly there, though. Yeah, I mean, it was the fourth best car. So mm. the best you were looking at was seventh or eighth. So he came seventh. Yeah, that, it is what it was. Yeah. He, he did what the car can do. Um, there's not much else to say. He, he did all right. You know, he did a good job. I'm wondering if he's starting to lose some of that advantage of the fact he basically spent all of lockdown in a simulator racing the whole time whilst everyone else sort of cleared their head and went, I don't know, mm. canoeing in the misty lakes in the morning well, and clearing um, their head. Just, and just bringing it um, to, to a little bit towards your sort of uh, area, Jake. Uh, Lando has been playing a lot of full guys um, during the uh, 
So during the week last week, he was playing like that nonstop. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny seeing a lot of people play. Obviously, I worked for Mediatonics. So it's always funny. People keep talking about their game. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it's doing really well. I know that uh, a lot of the F1 community have been playing it. Um, yeah. So OC well, needs to get on those F1 games uh, again. Because I'm, a, I'm historically a fan of McLaren, I grew up very close to Woking, which is obviously where they're based. I do kind of follow them quite closely when they're racing. And Lando's a really funny case at the moment because he just can't nail his first stint. Mm. His starts are usually bad. His pace in the first stint is usually not great either. He tends to drop back. In the middle stint, he usually hangs around, you know, in and around DRS zone with whoever he's following. But then the last stint, something about the last stint makes those McLaren sing. Mm. Under low fuel, they just tend to do a lot better. And he's you know, he's having these sort of, I don't want to say Albon-esque, but they are kind of, you know, these great finishes, which I think kind of mask these inconsistent starts. And I think if he wants to improve, he really needs to start nailing his starts because his, his starts and first laps are not good enough at the moment. Same with Russell, isn't it? It's funny. It sounds, yeah. That seems that generation sort of has that issue. I don't know whether it's because the F2 cars they had had those awful clutch issues where they basically couldn't start off the line anyway. Um, but all, all, all jokes aside, it, that McLaren doesn't look good on heavy fuel. We f- saw that from the first race, didn't we? That first stint where they just went backwards. It doesn't like high fuel and softer tyres. It seems it's just a mix. It doesn't work for that car for whatever reason. But when it gets lighter, it comes alive. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he definitely needs to nail his starts. There's not much he can do about the car having no pace early race, but you, you can't, same, same for Russell as well. You can't be losing places on the first lap like that. You know, yeah. if you're doing that from first, you drop back to fourth or fifth, you're not getting back to first. You're lucky to get back on the podium with cars at that sharp end of the grid and drivers at that sharp end of the grid. So they have to sort that out. Again, they're not crash prone. And I think that is a positive. You know, they're not being reckless. But, you know, you get Stroll, for example, he can start really well and gains places and he's not really reckless either. So there is a mid- middle ground to be found, I feel. So moving on, um, Renault, um, Ricardo fourth, Ocon fifth. Um, this was a step in the right direction. Uh, we have to sort of wait and see if this is a consistent thing. Um, I mean, let's not forget they were storming around Monza as well last year. So I think it's just this Renault just likes these high speed, high top speed circuits. Um, if I feel that they can really nail everything next time out, there's a serious chance of being on third um, for at least one of them. Probably obviously Definitely. more Rick. But that last lap he did, whew, like, you know, yeah. Um, but I think that that obviously catered towards the strategy which they were using once he had a lot more fresher tyres. Um, Lewis, Bottas, Max couldn't push. You know, their tyres were absolutely falling apart. So, on the whole, I think they can walk away from this weekend a lot happier than the weekend before. Um, and obviously going into Monza next weekend and then Mugello, which looks to be quite a high-speed circuit as well, yeah. at least certain parts of it are. Um, I think they're going to have a really good couple of weekends for them now. I bet they wish they brought the Renault CEO with them to this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I did feel for them there. Much better. Rick had a great race. They seem to look after their tyres more as well, like the front mm. runners. I think what did the front runners is they kind of had this, oh, Max is going to pit early. Um, he's going to do an undercut, so we need to get a gap. So suddenly Merck pushed like hell and for like five laps and just killed the tyres. And then they were stuck with this sort of dead tyres um, that could, could barely make it to the end. So 
good result from Re- for Renault. That third, fourth, fifth looks really close now, doesn't it? There's like two yeah. points or whatever. Between. It's, it's, it's really, really close between Racing Point, Renault and McLaren. Uh, and I think and Ferrari as well, actually. I think they've all got pretty much the same points, um, which is which is really exciting. Um, good job for Renault. I mean, you need to be more than just quick on the high-speed circuits because if you build a car like that, as sort of Ferrari did last year, then you'll, you'll win Spa and you'll win Monza and sort of well done. But that's not a mentality for winning the whole whole season but it's definitely better to see them doing doing better it's it's been quite painful especially kind of barcelona they were they're quite bad there so it was a good race and, and ricardo was great i think ocon did really well as well as yeah. we, we mentioned before especially to get that last pass on 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 alex albon i mean he tried yeah. a couple of times just just he like just he just ran out of steam just before that like right hand yeah. turn on the straight just constantly and then he just finally got it um Really quite happy for him. I think that was a race which he could finally show what he could do and uh, hopefully just more like that, please. Um, yeah. Keith, you? Uh, not much to add. Thoroughly impressed with Ricardo. He he, probably second drove of the day behind Gasly. I, it's almost, you have to disqualify Lewis and Max. You know, they're, they're doing their own thing. I think most drivers of the day will come from the midfield because mm. it's at least exciting. Uh, yeah, and I feel like yeah, Rick had a, had an astonishing weekend. You know, Saturday and Sunday. Pleased for Ocon because I don't want to say Ocon was under pressure, but he's he's at risk of being left behind by Rick. And I think these races, even though yes, he did finish behind him, I think he had a had a good performance. And I I think it does stand, put them in good stead for Monza. But again. There is this in, almost an inherent inconsistency with Renault at the moment, so we'll mm. you know, we'll have to see. But you know they were running the same power unit as uh, McLaren, and they look much faster. And just on that, which you just mentioned about you know trying to keep up um, with with Ricardo, um, just to remind everyone, Fernando Alonso is going to be in that other seat, and he knows a lot of the engineers which were there when he was there in '04 and '05. Uh, and was he there in 06 and 07? No, uh, 08 and 09. 08 yeah, and 9. Nine. So, you know, some of those engineers and technicians will still be there. So, you know, he needs to try and show that, you know, he can sort of lead that team. I'm pretty sure Fernando's going to basically kick the door and basically be like, I'm in charge now because that's just what, what he does. So if he can keep up with Ricardo now, that means he's probably going to be able to keep up with Alonso next year as well, which, you know, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, Ferrari, the big one. Um, Vettel, 13th, Leclerc, 14th. Um, was it Leclerc who had the air pressure yeah. valve issue? He had this pneumatic pressure that dropped. Pneumatic, that's it. Um, I don't want to kick for I mean, we, we had a bit of a kick at them at the start of the podcast, don't we? I don't want it to turn into that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean this could be more it. about them in terms of coming sort of 13th, 14th. I mean, I mean, the main takeaway, I think, is one, they nearly crashed to um, Kimi overtaking Seb um, and three, you know, just, I mean, just the fact that they had to do that pneumatic, I've never seen that before. Like uh, ever. It does happen sometimes with hydraulic pressure as well, but it's usually More, kind of terminal exactly, when you have to so. top the cars up with pressure. So it was weird to see. And I thought then it would just drop off again and then they'd be screwed. But I mean, but after they did that, his, his pace increased. So obviously that was an issue pressing, but you know, I mean, usually when it's, and it's a hydraulic problem for me and sort of my sort of look back in F1. It's usually something to do with the steering or something like that. Not to do with like the engine valves. Yeah, uh, that's often uh, it'd be like, 
the old uh, Citroen Zantia. Is it Zantia's? The one where they, you know, all the old BXs or whatever they were, where they'd all have hydraulic pressure. And as soon as that went, everything locked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really weird. But, um, I mean, it's just... It's just Bonato not a team, said yeah. they're in the middle of a storm, not in the middle of a crisis. But, again, they've just got to kind of do what McLaren did. They're in the same yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. around now, so they've got to take a deep breath, look within and sort it out. And to be fair, McLaren weren't going to be able to do that it was only when they got rid of that sort of those sort of toxic influences in the team got Seidel in his team and that it worked they quite easily could have gone the other way um but I think it was good that they did manage to kind of reflect and sort that out and Ferrari need to do that they need to stop they need to in my opinion not kick Bonotto out I keep reading everywhere people yeah. like Bonotto out he's a calm you know I'd love to see Arriva Benny back. I really liked him. I think he was so Ferrari. It was great, wasn't he? He was so emotional. He was. And, he was. Um, but really kind of genuine person. Yeah, I, re- I really liked Arriva Benny. I was really sad when he went because um, he's one of the more sort of open Ferrari. You know, he'd always give time, even if he was really upset and he was in an interview and you could tell he was just upset. He'd still stop and give that time. And mm. I really respected that because that's not a Ferrari trait. Um, but I think they need to look at how they're built. It, it, they can't just go through another structure where they cull a load of people and, and go again. Really think about how the team's set. Look at the other teams that are successful. Why are they successful? I think a big thing of what make Merck is Merck's success is there isn't really one person that runs that whole team. It's a whole big group of really talented individuals. It's, it, and again, it's, it's a lot more flat, isn't it? Like yeah. in terms of like the managerial structure. So they, it, it's, it actually reminds me a lot of like a indie startup than a than an actual corporation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everyone's. You know, it's it's almost like you know I could totally see walking into the Mercedes offices and everyone's working on the same floor. It's you know, and all of the office doors are open, right? It's not that yeah. you know, if you want to talk to Mister Senior So and So, you have to do a, a meeting with his PA and wait three weeks and blah blah blah. You know, it's you mm. know like. I mean, I'm with you. I think if they got rid of Benotto, it would just be a slap in the face of everyone working there because he's been there for like 25 odd years. Yeah. You know, he is as Ferrari as somebody can get, right? And I think to get rid of him when, you know, things are, you know, I mean, yes, I will admit, this is probably the worst we've seen Ferrari since I would, what, 2010? But even then? No, 2010, they were phenomenal. Uh, Sorry, I think no, 2009. Sorry, 2010 were not phenomenal, but 2010, they should have won it. Yeah, 2009, yeah. 2009, they were pretty yeah. bad, but Kimi still won a race yeah. and they still managed to drag something out. I mean, they haven't been this bad since the 90s. I mean, that the last okay, time yeah. it would be, and we're talking like early 90s, mm. not 90 or 91, where they were actually pretty decent. We're talking the sort of 92 Ferrari. It was awful, yeah, 93 you're, you're, Ferrari. You're talking the Berger and Alisa years. Yes, yeah, where well, you had two capable drivers, but just a woeful car and a, a, an amazing sounding car it's one of the best sounding f1 cars ever that v12 engine but it was really heavy and everyone had cottoned on it was all you know it was about v10s you know more higher output lower lower mm. uh, interesting double floor design but they never got it working mm. oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that that's interesting i know it just it didn't come together until sort of you know braun turned up schumacher turned up and the rest of the team you know and, and sorted it out so this is this is at that level of bad, but they've got good drivers. They're going to have I've, a great driver pairing. It's just, they can do it. They just need I to. mean, I've just, I've just had an idea. Let's just sort of take this in turns. Um, mm. If I was to give you the CEO cap, Jake, mm. what would you do? 
well, I'd probably get fired within a week because I'd tell okay. them all what I thought. <laughs> and you can't do that. They go, oh, he's coming from the outside and he's telling us what to do. Uh, not with that. I don't know what voice that was. But I, I think the main thing for me would be to just, you try it and it's easier said than done because they've obviously probably tried this is try and get everyone together and sit there and go, look, we're a team. Let's, let's work together. I'd look at bringing talent from outside of the org. I'd look at successful companies. I'd try and like mad to poach from Merck. I'd try and poach from top WEC teams. Maybe, I mean, the Porsche team's gone. That was a sitting duck and McLaren yeah. got that. That is a team you wanted. Uh, a a serial bunch of winners. Um, Zach Brown's genius move in, yeah, yeah. in, in my eyes. It was Zach Brown's yeah, really was. genius move. Because you're bringing like a Todd basically with Seidel. Again, funny enough, with rallying experience as well with the, the Peugeot uh, rally, rally teams, which were amazingly successful. But I'd be looking at these. So I'd be looking outside of F1. I don't think it's the technical understanding. It's not a funding thing. It's a sort of managerial philosophy type thing, right? To get mm. the best out of everyone. I'd be looking at maybe having another workshop somewhere else, another, another center. I wouldn't move the team out of Italy. That's their home. Um, and, and maybe being a little bit more bolshy with the press there. You know, if they're being too pushy and too nasty, I mean, it's easier said than done when it's things like paparazzi, but just push them away and going, fine, you're not getting any of our time. But when you've got the press, you know, the, you're in, Dutch Grand Prix and the Dutch press come, you're really open with them and really giving them a lot of time. I, I can't really think of an answer. I think it is that sort of managerial thing. But, but look at the successful teams. Red Bull have a similar philosophy to Mert, though Adrian Newey has a lot of power there. You know, that's why he left McLaren. Adrian Newey left McLaren because McLaren started vetoing some of his decisions when it came with the M uh, MP4 18, that car that never was, that, you know, 2003 was going to come along and it never did. Newey got annoyed because they actually had a vote about what they were going to do with that chassis and it wasn't just down to him and that's why he left. You know, the blank check from Red Bull was another part of it, but Red Bull have Newey calling the shots. I, I don't believe that that high rake short wheelbase philosophy is the way to go anymore. That's the reason teams are moving away from it. But yeah, it's all about lots of talented individuals and empowering them to do what they need to do and, and, and taking the stress away of media and top-down shouty management. The only thing is, it's easier said than done that because to become the CEO of Ferrari, you're on a board of very powerful people that yeah. are very pushy. So it's not like that with a lot of organizations, even with Merck, you know, the Merck board are quite detached. It's not like that with Ferrari. Yeah. So about a roundabout answer that it's very difficult to do anything, but yeah. So taking the CEO cap off of you, Jake, and onto you, Keith. Uh, well, it was interesting to hear them come out earlier and talk about, uh, how they changed uh, oh, we've got uh, what was it vertical management they now said they had oh we've got <laughs> we've got the idea that if you are an employee at ferrari you actually have a boss that you talk to and then they have a boss that they talk to this revolutionary idea that maybe which, which again to me like like i think this was the thing which we said a couple of weeks ago when they uh said we've been we've now started this new like engine team it's like then what did you have before like i don't but yeah um as yeah, it's just yeah. weird. <laughs> uh, the point being is that uh, it felt like there, there's obviously something not correct in the, in the sort of symbiotic nature of their relationships at a management level. Uh, they do, I don't know if they've got uh, a development program in terms of engineers, because mm -hmm. a lot of engineers filter through uh, British and French universities. I don't mm -hmm. know about, I think, uh, because of the you know the inherent nature of Ferrari being Italy's team, I feel like they pull a lot of their talent from the local region and 
mostly they're an Italian team in the pit, in the paddock and management. Whereas, you know, you look at their successful years, you know, they were team principal was a Frenchman, technical director was an Englishman, main driver was German. The, the, I agree entirely with Jake about uh, Seidel and McLaren and, and thinking, okay, we need to pull from outside of F1. Who's doing things correctly? Where are we getting it wrong? Uh, is the engine problem and the engine illegality overshadowing uh, everything else? The answer is probably. And I think it's a shame because Bonotto, was it, he was two years as their technical officer. Yeah. That engine is, is his that's his burden to bear. That was, you know, he was in charge of that engine and everything about that is now overshadowing what's going on at the moment. They've obviously had to bring it back to code. It's they're suffering for it massively and they will continue to suffer for it. And it, I feel like he will be asked to carry the can for that. And I feel like he will probably be asked to leave, uh, which is a shame because firing your team principal does not make your car quick all of a sudden. No, I mean, yeah. Um, terms of terms of me, um, you have to keep him. Um, the last thing that team needs is another, you know, hot blooded. You know, and, and 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 let's just be real here. You know, if they do pull somebody, they're not go. They're not going to be of the same caliber and experience of him. So they're probably going to be, you know, wanting to prove something with. A package, you know, two very, you know, highly strong drivers, a team that's probably feeling quite under pressure. If you start sacking your leaders, it puts everyone else on edge. And the last thing Ferrari needs is the rest of this team start doing little mistakes. They need to make sure that their operations are immaculate. Um, you know, they they like just again, you know, they they said to Charles, you know, we're 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 thinking of plan what, you know, C and B. And he's like, okay, can you then you know which one will it be so you'll be oh we don't know we'll let you know and it's like well then why are you telling him he know he needs to know if he can push or if he should try and save you know what he has and and, and we saw that you know the weekend before as well they're just their operations just aren't there and so if your operations aren't there everything else just suffers and so, yeah, I think the last thing they need to do is, is sack anyone. They need to keep the way it is. If it comes to 2022 and things are like this again, then yeah, fine. You need to start making changes. But right now, right here, right now, you start making changes this late as well. And, and as I said, 2022, it will affect 2022 as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. Just keep things how they are. You will need to slog through this. But the last thing you need to do is just start sacking people. I think it's going to be the worst thing for them really um so finally with Ferrari done uh, Red Bull Max third Albon six um Max was just in his own race really I think just as he has been pretty much all season apart from Silverstone he's just in that third spot yeah he um he said he it was very boring and I think he was as bored as we were of the race um just in a no you know no man's land he Got very close to Bottas in qualifying. It was one one hundred one tenth away, mm. um, uh, less than that. Sorry, a hundredth away in quali. It was tiny uh, gap. There's barely anything. It's like the length of a front wing. Um, so yeah, um, unfortunate there. Um, but it's not really much else to say. It wasn't quick enough, was it? It looked like towards the end of the last stint, he could 
catch Valtteri, but then Valtteri kind of skipped away. Uh, his tires also went off and died. He could have pitted um, to kind of put, let you know, to, to, to try and do something different. But then the Mercs would have just pitted the lap after. They had enough gap to even double stack. And actually keeping him out, there was more risk the Merck's tyres were going to go. So they probably thought, no, keep him out. Merck weren't going to risk pitting. But yeah, there's not much to say. And the other thing was Albon, Red Bull again, just hung him out to dry. What were they thinking? You know, they even had Horner on the radio going, oh yeah, you know, if you do the same thing, you don't get anything. We've put him on the mediums. But they were never going to get to the end. What were they going to do? Do another stop when no one else was. Mm. They had a free pit stop. They put Albon on the hards. He, he would have been, you know, in that fifth place. I, I reckon he could have even been fourth. You know, I, I just think, they really hung about to dry. And if you think at struggles that the front running teams had, getting those hards to the end, how bad must it have been for Albon? And he did get to the end and good work. But yeah, I, I, they really hung him out to dry there. They're not helping him, are they? You know, it was like last week, you know, pitting him and putting him on an old tyre strategy again. It just seems to be a bit of a recurring theme where they're just using him as a test bed to try something different. Um, and that's fine. It's all well and good. But yeah. That's, well, that's I mean, on that, just leading into what Lewis said, you know, after yeah. the race, you know, unfortunately, Red Bull haven't got a one-two and that does affect things like the strategies they can do, you know, yeah. things like placement. And, you know, it's just an awkward predicament which Red Bull find themselves in. But, you know, as I've said this before, the last thing you can do is, you know, swap Albon for then who, you know, he's never, you know, no driver is going to be on Max's pace straight out the gate it's not happening you know unless it's lewis unless it's somebody you know and unless it actually is lewis uh, um it's just not happening so but you know i think a positive race for albon in some respects so the fact that he was able to still fight through a little bit um but again he needs to be coming in fourth you know not six um or you know seventh or eighth you know the positive from this race is at least he wasn't, you know, qualified in something like, you know, P14 had to spend the whole race, you know, trying to scrap, you know, scrap up no, the he, field. He qualified well. He did so, a yeah, enough job. Exactly. He, he got jumped by Rick, but the Renaults were quick. Yeah. Yay, that rhymed. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, I, I, it's, I don't know it's, what to say. It right? is it's what the is, same yeah. thing every week in and week out with Albon. They don't help him with the strategy, but like I said, I really like Albon, but he's not quick enough to be in a front-running car. So uh, I'd love to be proved wrong like I was with Gasly. Um, and maybe it would be, you know, maybe you chuck Albon back in the Toro Rosso next year with Gasly and he surprises you. But yeah. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, be, I'd actually be really intrigued to see him in the Toro Rosso and Kvyat's car against Gasly. And see uh, if he suddenly I would, that would be one hell of a season, wouldn't it? But it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to yeah, see? It would be. And suddenly then, you know, it's, a, it's an issue with that number two seat with the Red Bull, Red Bull team. Mm. Can they only run one car? Is are the mechanics on the second car just not, you know do they put everything in one and not another? Is Max just so good that actually if he was in a Merc he'd be a second a lot quicker than Hamilton? You know what what is what is it? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know that that that's making that second car so difficult. Uh, Keith, from you, anything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Albon was one lap away from finishing seventh. Like Lando yeah. would have yeah. taken him. Uh, I think he did a decent enough job to keep Ocon behind him for as long as he did because those tyres must have been like chewing gum by the time that that race was done uh, to, and again we've talked about doing contrarian uh, contrarian strategies if you're going to run you know the medium tyre which all things told in fairness they did say was the, the better race tyre for the weekend but no chance it was going to make it to the end in any fit state to actually be a, run, a, a you know, serviceable tyre 
maybe they could have tried two stops, let Alvin rag it, come back in for another set of softs, try something a bit different because it, he was only ever going to go backwards as the race went on. And so it proved, I think it's, it's difficult to judge him this weekend because the strategy was so wrong. Personally, I think he did okay. Decent qualifying brought the home, brought home the car probably where it deserved to finish considering the strategy Anything that was wrong with the Red Bull this weekend, I don't think was on him. Mm. And as for Max, yeah, totally lonely race. We're getting used to this now of him being, you know, six seconds behind the Mercs in the middle stint, but they're just keeping him honest. He can't make headway, but he's so far ahead down the road of everyone else. I know Rick was closer by the end, but Max was coasting by then. So yeah. it was his own race. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Mercedes, then finally, uh, Lewis first, uh, Hempotas second. Um, I felt Hempotas had a moment to get Lewis on the straight, but then he had to worry about Max. Um, and then after that, you literally just saw Lewis pull ahead, like, and, and that was it. It was just the race over. Um, yeah. You know, it this was, was just supremacy just like last weekend really where Lewis said you know he he like while racing he'd actually checked out and he was just enjoying just racing right like he wasn't he wasn't stressed um but you know what this puts Lewis what 50 odd points ahead of Max now 47 47 yeah 50 ahead of Bottas I mean it was all to do with that turn one so Lewis had a good start but then turn one had a bit of a wobble meant Bottas was right on going up to Eau Rouge and then because he was so close to um, Lewis going up a rouge, um, he had to back off, he had to lift a little bit, so then didn't get the run on him because he was too close. You don't want to be mm. that close going up a rouge. Yeah, and it's yeah. actually saying, I think it's 2017 when, again, Vettel you know, got him in 2018, but 2017, he seemed to have an advantage. And what Lewis would do is lift a bit before a rouge where you can't overtake so that Vettel will get too close, have to lift, and then Lewis could go. Um, and it was kind of that same thing. That's what, what how we got away with. Starting on pole isn't always great in Spa because often people behind you get a slipstream, a double toe, whatever, and, and it's quite quite nasty. So that was really the only opportunity. The other was when Lewis said, I'm losing power, I'm losing power. And it, oh, just yeah. turned out it was an engine map yeah. where his engine was derating uh, or clipping on one of the straights because it was then ready to, to charge on another part of the lap. But that was probably the only bit of excitement we got. It was a pretty sublime drive from Lewis. They probably had a bit of a scare with the tyres at the end. It was a bit odd that he said, push, we've got to push a gap to Max. And it didn't work out. That was never going to work for Max. So they uh, unnecessarily you know, destroyed the tyres. You thought maybe they'd go like Silverstone. That didn't even happen. So, yeah, it was you know, a fantastic performance. Lewis almost had the grand slam. That's how dominant he was. Um, but, yeah, Bottas wasn't really anywhere, was he? He wasn't close enough. Uh, he wasn't certainly wasn't close enough in quali for once. Um, and, and Lewis seems to have turned that round. His qualifying was actually a bit of a weakness for him last year. He only had five poles last year, and he's already beaten that this year. Uh, I think all got the same, sorry, uh, five, with five in seven races as opposed to 21. Um, and he's always kind of set for the race, Lewis. That's kind of been a newer thing. You know, Rosberg often would beat him in quali, but then in the race, Lewis would have the measure on him because he'd actually set his car for the race. And that often happens with Bottas, but. Even here, yeah. It was a great quality from him. Really good lap. And then in the race, he pretty much had it under control. I think he won by, is it eight seconds in the end over Bottas or something like that? Yeah, so it was... Pretty easy in the end. The tyre drama didn't happen. Almost got excited at the end. I was like, oh, something's going to happen. Yeah, because he went off on the last corner at one point, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, Yeah, when it oh, zoomed oh, in. Yeah. <laughs> and he's on the, 
the middle of the straight going really slowly and i was like yeah. that engine's gone bang that's that's it it's done and it was like oh no he's come off i was like oh okay so we, we didn't and get any went sort of... off in the same place as well didn't he yeah he did it's just yeah, that yeah. when the tires are dark, dead you don't get yeah. that retardation when you brake. they just there's nothing there there's no, no mm. friction so you just sort of slide off like they did and they didn't want to flat spot the tires because they did they'd been a big trouble so it's easy just to let off and accept you're going to miss the, the chicane which i imagine you can't do too many times but mm. they each only did once but it looked like max's tires were no better so yeah mark i mean lewis having a 47 point lead you can't really give him that this early in the season there's 10 races to go but he can almost dnf twice and still be in with a shout of the championship so yeah which is yeah keith yeah. you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's converted all five of his uh, poles into wins and you know, been pretty mm. unthreatened all the way through it. Uh, it, it. He just knows how to convert a pole position into a race victory in a very you know, controlled manner. He, there, there's not a lot of drama when he's leading a race. Uh, uh, there were a few times last year where he, you know, he'd always be complaining, oh, tyres have gone, I don't know if I've got anything left on these. You know, I'm bringing it home on the rims, and then he'd bring it home fine. No, he was just, it, it seemed like there was just this constant barrage of uh, lying about how bad his tyres deck just was. Issues. Uh, I mean, just, just on that point there, Keith, like I've noticed Lewis hasn't been complaining at all this year, really. That's, that's, that's what I was going to come to, is that this yeah. year, he, he doesn't, even when his tyre actually exploded, he was very calm, <laughs> he didn't <laughs> complain, yeah. and he, just, he brought it home like a Sunday driver coming back from the shops. And this year, he's, his management's been so in control and everything just, you know, Merck have just got everything so poised and clean. And, you know, yes, they had that one race weekend where, you know, the tires were, you know, soft and inflated and bouncy and they got it wrong. So what did they do? They adjusted the next weekend, easy, back to normal. And that no team has got the ability to adjust their strategy quite like Mercedes, they, they just get it. At the, at the moment, they're at the top of their game, which makes it even harder for everyone after else. After all these them. years, yeah, after just all these years being at the front, they just keep finding a way. And, and you know, this is what Lewis says, you know, constantly in interviews. He's like, this team just always manages to find a way. In the end, they're always and, pushing. You know, Lewis came out and said, yeah, I, I wish that we were getting pushed harder, mm. which... In any other year, you know, any other driver, you'd say, oh, that's just PR speak. You know, who wouldn't want to be comfortably in the lead, etc." But he used to say that when he wasn't in the lead. Mm. He used to say that when uh, Seb was dominating in 2013. He used to say, God, I wish we had it a bit closer. I think he is somebody who does genuinely enjoy wheel-to-wheel, getting pushed. I don't think he really, as much as you can enjoy winning, of course everyone loves winning, but you know, these pole to flags, just controlling a race, just, you know, tyre management. You know, the last 15 laps, you know, he can't even rag it because his tyres are just shot. So yeah. I don't think he's enjoying the manner of his victory because he knows that no one's watching this excited at home. And I think at heart he is a fan and he does care about the quality of the product. So I don't think that he wants to artificially... Uh, all this banning party modes and stuff and, yeah, like reducing the error by 10%. It's just artificially trying to create competition. I don't think that ever works properly. They tried it with Ferrari when they were at their most dominant and it didn't work. Uh, but, you know, it's not up to Mercedes to make the product better. It's up to the other teams to catch them. And mm. at the moment, Merck at the top of their game. Lewis is saying he's as good as ever. Valtteri is complaining because he knows that he can't get Lewis on a Saturday, which means he's 
completely behind the curve on the Sunday. So it's all just adding up to being a thoroughly dominant professional season and championship number seven. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I have full belief, you know, if Mark just keep doing, you know, something catastrophic is going to have to happen, you know, and I, I you know, I, I don't want to say that I'll put money on it, but if somebody asked me to put money on it for Lewis to get number seven, I probably would. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so finally, um, uh, news. So Jake, uh, big news was the Concord agreement. So I'm going to let you take this away and sort of go through that for us. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge amount to say really that they've, you know, all the teams have agreed to sign it. It didn't, I didn't hear anything about any jiggery pokery. I know Merck weren't happy with the agreement, but then they had a chat with the FAI and something's come through, whether it's to do with rights or something else, I don't know. But I mean, it couldn't have changed the bulk of the agreement because the other teams then would have had to see it again and review it. But all the teams have signed, um, which is a good sign. They're letting um, Ferrari continue to have their historical payments and Williams, McLaren and Merck to get more. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know many other sports that work that way. Usually prize money depends on what position you come in and how you do. But then again, that's sort of like a winner stays on philosophy where, you know, that's like, you know, it's very hard to knock the winner off the top. Then you're just making them stronger and stronger. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with prize money being tiered in that way either. It's, it's really difficult. You want to reward success, but you kind of want to give people a chance as well. But anyway, the, all the teams have you know signed. They're, they're all on that agreement. So it looks like, you know, we're going to have, the sort of same powers you know all the teams will have a say on the future of f1 and they will all need to agree on certain things i think ferrari still have their veto so they can just yeah, if, you, if all the teams agree they can still go no nope, don't want that um but yeah i mean it's a good step uh for f1 we, we need them all on that agreement really and to, to kind of be working as a unit as a sport yeah so i mean from what i read it just seemed to be that the prize money tier system is just a lot more even and then i think it's if the if formula one itself makes over a certain amount um that whatever's over that amount then gets spread out as well so it's just and then of course you've got the um cost caps coming in as well so it's just a way yeah. for everyone to get a little bit more even share the pie but then on top of that they're not having to eat so much of the pie as well right so it's, yeah. it's sort of a twofold thing really um so i mean yeah i mean like you i'm just happy that they've all signed it it's all gone through fairly um fairly smoothly i think the last one with um with bernie eccleston was quite troublesome um from what i've read and listened to in the media um and then as me and keith said you know for formula one to be this united in these days and to come out with the concord agreement to get it all signed done in 2020 is just a huge achievement for um f1 really um and you know other sports around the world can definitely look at f1 and see how things should be done so you know props to them so um onwards monza uh the palace of speed yep. right um cathedral of speed the the, the cathedral of speed yes you're correct sorry um it's a silly term as well don't worry about it <laughs> you know and then you have to say the home of tifosi because you're not allowed to say ferrari fans you have to say tifosi, yeah, tifosi. Uh, but uh yeah it's the home of the fastest f1 lap right Kimi raikkonen in, in 2018 but it was montoya for the longest time that amazing lap if uh yeah i i, I would recommend to anyone uh especially new into f1 check out juan pablo montoya's uh, crazy lap from Monza in 2004. It's insane. It's screamingly loud, V10. It looks cool as hell. 
Um, that was the quickest lap for a while, and obviously Raikkonen broke that in 2018 with his pole position there, um, which was pretty awesome. Um, so first race in 1922, that's obviously before the World Championship officially started in 1950. Um, we've had a race at Monza every year since 1950, bar... Uh, 1980, where Imola replaced it. Um, it had a bank section added in 1950. That's that crazy steep bank. I don't know if you've seen it, but often when they do the footage there, the sky the right, right, sit isn't on the it? bank. Yeah, it's 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 really steep. It makes Indianapolis look like Charles Play. It's ridiculous. 80% um, of the laps full throttle. Um, it's really harsh on engines and gearboxes. You've got no downforce really kind of slowing them down. So the engines are really free revving and, and redlining a lot. Um, it's usually the shortest race of the season actually record for shortest race held by Schumacher 2003 that was at 74 minutes so really short um, flashback couple of races I like Mons I'm sure we all have a favourite I mean one for me is the 2008 win where Vettel won in a Toro Rosso that was mm. pretty crazy at the time the youngest driver um, obviously yeah 1988 Ma McLaren were knocked off that winning run uh, when uh, Ferrari got a 1-2, uh, uh, Senna hit a back marker, or a back marker hit him and wiped him out. Um, and Hamilton and Schumacher hold the record for the most wins in Italy, joint with five each. So, yeah. That could change. Um, in terms of memorable change. races, I think last year with Charles, uh, regardless of how the quali went, um, just because I've never seen the 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 Ferrari fans just get that sort of yeah like rate like just hyped up right like they were all tripping on something right they were going mental like flares like green white red flares being popped off left right and center yeah. like if you had told me you know out of context this was like a big massive music festival I would have believed you right like they they loved it when Charles won there last year so you know, and, and I've never seen that before in, in, in my time of F1. Like, I've yeah. seen it happen, but not to that level. Um, it was crazy. I mean, Keith, do you have any kind of favourite Monza races that you like? Uh, I really liked uh, 2005 uh, when Juan Pablo ran it in the McLaren. I've just, I was always just a really big uh, Montoya fan. I thought he was an incredibly fast driver, an incredibly brave yep. driver. And uh, again, I used to, I've historically always loved McLaren, and to see those two together and to win it at you know the Cathedral of Speed, yeah, is something special entirely. I uh, also liked seeing uh, Rubens win it. I think Rubens won it in two thousand nine mm. in the Braun, uh, in you know their fairy tale yeah. season, and that was when I think Braun were already by that point like the third fastest car on the grid because yeah. they had just massively been caught. So for Rubens to pull a win out and actually keep the title somewhat interesting was excellent. Uh, and what was the year when Lewis uh, binned it on the penultimate lap? 2009. That yeah, was 2009. That's it. Yeah, so, so, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, wasn't it special? I, just, I, didn't, I, I didn't want to get that confused because I thought it was two, maybe 2011, but no, it was 2009. Uh, yeah, because he, he was in... Did he have something in 11 as well? I get the feeling something went in 11 as well. I mean, it, it did pretty much every race. He used to kind of home in on Massa and crash into him, didn't he? Every race in 2011. <laughs> 2011 um, is just a stunning piece of like anomaly in Hamilton's career of just how wrong things went. Yeah, I mean, he was he was missing Nicole Schwetzinger, so that probably didn't help, I think, you know, anyone would. And uh, he was missing her and, and, and he just... I was think the frustration of not having a winning car again, as Button, on the other hand, Al Button took it in his stride and had a very much 2004 season where for him in like the BAR where he, he would still get good results 
And in 2011, Button was phenomenal, wasn't he? He was fantastic at that. Amazing win in Canada. He came second in the points overall, oh, uh, beating Alonso, that. beating Hamilton. What a great year. And Hamilton 2012, for some reason, came back strong. And he was really, you know, he only beat Button by three points in that year, but was, should have been 100 points more, you know, literally, the, all the, the ridiculous DNFs and reliability issues had that eventually pushed him out of Merck. But yeah, 2011 is not his best season. I, I mean, at least in 2009, that car was awful. And he still won two races. He still won in Hungary, still won in Singapore, which was really impressive. That car was terrible that year, probably fourth or fifth quickest, Just, you know, behind uh... Braun, behind Toyota, behind Ferrari. Um, but in 2011, that wasn't his best year. Just a quick one from me and Lewis. Was 2009 the year where he split from his like old man? Because I know because his dad was running and managing him for years and then mm. they had not a public falling out, but it was very evident that they'd fallen out, right? I think that was 11 as well. So was he, that 11, he, yeah. Missed, yeah, that's what 11 is. Lewis is someone, if his personal life's good, on track, he's great. Yeah, And you can feel sometimes he comes to the track and he's got a bit of an aura about him where he's not feeling all that and he doesn't have a good weekend. Um so yeah, that's why eleven. He was all over the place, um, yeah, yeah, and like I said, him and Massa just changed. constantly crash into each other. Um, for me as well, Monza, great race, twenty eighteen. Uh, you know, you had Raikkonen on pole, yeah, and, Raikkonen, and, yeah. and Vettel. You know, Ferrari won two from the start, and 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 everyone thought, well, this is the turning point. This is where Lewis is really going to fall behind in the points, and Lewis turned that round, and that was kind of a big turning point in the championship. I think you know, Hockenheim was the turning point, but I think Monza went a long way to that as well. Some good races there. Some not so exciting. It's great to see the cars at a really high speed, though. And uh, I think Renault are going to go well this weekend. I mean, if we jump to the predictions now. Yeah, let's do that three, now. So yours. Uh, I'm going to be really original for number one and number two, Lewis, Bottas. But I'm going to say third, Ricardo. I'm just, I want to be different. I can't be asked to say Max again. <laughs> um, and, and Renault are really quick in a straight line. This will play even more to their strengths. Maybe Rick will give it even more of a go after he got close. It's really hard to see past yeah, Max cause, coming cause, third. Yeah, because a lot more of a, a straight line run up to that first corner than so far. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm with you. Exactly the same. Uh, Lewis and Pass and Ricardo. Uh, Keith, you? Yeah. Uh, it's that old thing of like, you know, I, you want to sort of say that there's going to, you, you want to give something a bit exciting because it's kind of just, it's wish fulfillment, isn't it? You just want something to, to change, but I can't <laughs> see it changing. Uh, I, Lewis will take it. Reason to suspect he shouldn't. Mercedes couldn't be more at the top of their game. Bottas second. I think Max has still got just enough in the locker to finish P3. As well as uh, Rick, I think Carlos is probably going to be one to watch this weekend as well. Mm. Uh, I think he uh, you know, he's going to have to impress his new employers, and you know he's a uh, he is pretty mighty. So I think I think Carlos is one to look at. I don't think he'll get. He, I think that uh, McLaren's too slow in stint one, but I just think he'll do well. Uh, hmm. But yeah, I think, uh, and it'll be very interesting to see how Racing Point does too, because in theory, they've got the most powerful engine and they've got a balanced aero package. There's no reason why they shouldn't do well, but hey, they should, they should have done well in Belgium this year. So something's not quite right. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think on that, um, that. Oh, hang on. Wait, hang on. Here. Here's, a, here's a question. Uh, where do we see Ferrari coming next this weekend? Oh, thirteenth, fourteenth, fourteenth and fifteenth, twelfth and thirteenth. I don't think they'll be top ten because this is purely on straight line now. Yeah. Whether the FIA will give them a special little handshake and go go on, 
Yeah, but then Jake, Jokes like, aside, if, if they if, if 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 they suddenly turn it around after this race, like the whole world is going to be like, we know you're up to something again. Like. I would love it if they turned up with their 2019 car and went, what? Oh, you guess <laughs> it, what? And just just absolutely like dominated. Like, what is going on? Uh, they win, but then they get a, like a 20 second penalty at the end, right? Like, just just keep on doing that. Just keep winning, well, and then 20 second penalty. And see what happens. Doing the break ducks. Racing Point is turning up and paying the fine every weekend. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, uh, that's true. Okay, they're not paying a fine. They're getting a, a reprimand. A reprimand. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I can. Do you think that we will see a Ferrari go out in Q1? Yes. Yes. And they'll yep. be lucky that the crowd aren't there because I tell you what. <laughs> oh yeah. They'll be <laughs> they're just going like to be happy. Fruit and veg thrown onto the track if that happened, wouldn't they? But did you work out? Was it... Three Italian Grand Prix. It's. Free Italian Grand Prix and Lewis is likely going to beat Schumacher's record at one of those three is pretty painful. Suicide watch, basically, Ferrari fans. <laughs> like, well, it, I, I, you know, I, we, we want them to be there at the front. I, I, I hope, because although the Italian media, I think, are too harsh and you don't really want to see them get anything they want, I, I do really like the, the hard kind of aura around Ferrari and, I, and their fans have been having a bit of a rough time of it I would like to see them get something I really want to see Seb win before he goes it's not going to happen I mean he'll be lucky to get another point the rest of the season but I don't want Seb to end on a low note though saying that he's going to be somewhere next year isn't he it's just where have to wait and see um, so I think on that point um, point to end it so uh, cool. Thank you for joining us. Um, join us next week for the first Italian uh, GP um, at Monza. Um, please do follow us on social medias. Uh, me and Jake have been a lot more active on there recently, so at Glowing Bricks F1. Um, and we've got our Brands Hatch um, Historic Masters video um, as well, which should be all done and uploaded fairly soon on the YouTube channel, which is YouTube. Um, basically, just type in Glowing Bricks into YouTube and it should pop up there. Um, till next week that's it uh, take care guys bye bye thanks <laughs>